And they came to Jericho. This is Jesus and his disciples. And he, as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he's calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and he came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to Jesus, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and he followed Jesus on the way. You may be seated and let's take a moment to reflect together on God's word. This morning, I want to begin to make a turn or, or make a transition. And I want to make a turn or transition towards the sermon series for the fall. And that's the Sermon on the Mount, this epic sermon that Jesus gave, uh, probably just outside Capernaum. It's found in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It starts with the Beatitudes, and then most of you know it. It has this, you have heard it said, I say to you. And so Jesus picks up on all these little pieces of how to live the Christian life. And that's going to be our our new new series. And we're turning towards that. The the title of the series is going to be called The Master Class of Life, Becoming an Apprentice of Jesus. So how is it you, you follow after Jesus? Well, the master... In the Sermon on the Mount has given a, a, a master's class in it. And so we're going to unpack that over the fall. And I, I want to, as we make this turn, I want to use a picture that I'm going to refer to several times, I think, in the series. And that's the uh, picture of a pole vaulter. And so that's perfect because we're in the season of the Olympics and probably you watch somebody do this pole vaulting, which to me is an amazing sport. Uh, but you know how it goes. They, they, they plant their pole vault, their, their pole into what's called a, a plant box. 
And so it's kind of angled down, and you plant your pole into the box, and then you just launch yourself up, you know, 15 or 20 feet in the air. You hope you get over the bar. And so, uh, but you know, when you've watched it, you don't just stand there and plant your pole in the box. you got to run up to the plant box. And I want us to think about the next six weeks or so as the run-up. Because we can't just start right here at the Sermon on the Mount. There's got to be some things that we understand as we run up towards this plant box and sort of plant ourselves in this sermon and launch ourselves in the direction of following after Jesus. So, so this week and the next week, uh, they're, they're going to be what, what pole vaulters call are strides. How many strides do you need before you get to the plant box? And, and we're going to take six strides in that direction. And I want us to make sure we just have that picture in mind. And the first stride we're going to take is here in Mark chapter 10. You notice in Mark chapter 10 verse 49 that something makes Jesus stop. Something causes him to stop in the midst of his disciples and his crowds. And when Jesus comes to a dead stop, everyone's paying attention to Jesus. Why is it he stopped? And so I want to pay attention to Jesus. I want to know well, what, what has caused him to, to stop as, he is, as, as he's done. And I want to reorient ourselves before we get to the actual text. Jesus is actually on the last leg of a journey. He's been in a town called Caesarea Philippi, which is in the, the northern part of Israel. And in this town, he has told his disciples that the Son of Man, referring to himself, must suffer Many things be rejected and killed and after three days rise again. And after, after he informs his disciples of this information, then he, he begins this last final journey to Jerusalem. And so when we get to Mark chapter 10, it's two weeks before the Passover or two weeks before the death and crucifixion of Christ. And, and Jesus is on his way along with his disciples. You notice a crowd. Thousands of pilgrims are coming to Jerusalem for the Passover. And one way to get to Jerusalem is to come through this town called Jericho. And as they're coming through this town, they're probably singing some of the songs of the ascent. They, they're making their way. Jerusalem is a city built on a hill. So whenever you're going to Jerusalem, you're going up to the city. And so they're ascending up to the city, and, and perhaps they're singing part of Psalm 130. Imagine this. If, if you're walking along with Jesus, and you sing this song now that you know what we know. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness. Imagine singing that. And imagine singing it with Jesus on the way to the cross. You're just singing. Oh, if, 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 if you kept a record of sin, who could stand? Nobody could stand. But with you, there's forgiveness. Well, how is that forgiveness is going to come? And Jesus knows this is the way it's going to come. So they're, they're on their way, and Jesus is walking out of Jericho to, to take the 15-mile trail up to Jerusalem. And as Jesus is making his way, there's another person making a much shorter journey. It's taking place at just at the same time, and it's a, a journey that's going to intersect with Jesus and his disciples. And this is by a blind, blind beggar. His name is Bartimaeus. 
It's interesting that he has a name. This is the only name given to somebody in the Gospel of Mark of somebody that Jesus did a miracle for. And so the writer wants to wants you to know, hey, you got to remember this person. This is, this is Bartimaeus. This is somebody that you need to pay attention to. And so probably Bartimaeus slept in an alley outside of the gated city of, of Jericho. And he wakes up this morning and he shakes the dew and the sour smell off of his cloak, his one possession. And he taps his way out, possibly with a sick stick, to, to just sitting just outside the city gate. This is where the beggars would, would find themselves, the people who needed help in some way. And this is like Christmas Day for Bartimaeus. Because this is the pilgrims, thousands of people coming through. They're, they're on their way to celebrate what God has done. Surely they'll be in a, a, a giving mood. So he, he sits out in his regular spot. He, he's got his cloak out in front of him to catch all the coins that might come his way. And, and I just want you to have a good mental picture of this person. This is a person who's sitting on the side of the road. And from the world's point of view, he's just human debris. Nobody knows that he exists. Even when you pass him, you see him, but you don't really recognize him as a person. He's just some kind of thing like a rock on the side of the road. But this is the person that causes Jesus to stop. This is, according to Mark's gospel, the last person to receive a miracle from Jesus before his crucifixion and resurrection. So, so the writer is really trying to help you understand, you need to slow down when you get to Bartimaeus. There's so much here you need to see. And so what does Bartimaeus do to get the high king of heaven to stop? That's my real question here. And first of all, he has a sense of urgency. These are the three things that we're going to look at. He, and then he has a, a sense of understanding. And finally, he, he has a sense of abandonment to the Savior. These are the three things. He has a sense of urgency, very easy to see. He has an understanding of who Jesus is, and then he abandoned himself, he abandons himself completely to Jesus. So first, Bart has a sense of urgency. You can see from verse 47, when he cries out, Jesus, the son of David, have mercy on me, he, he apparently has heard something about Jesus. Just as, this is Jesus' third year in ministry. Bartimaeus is blind. Very likely he's heard, hey, this Jewish rabbi, this teacher, he's actually healed people. Maybe this might be my day. And so there's a sense of urgency. And you get a sense of this anticipation of this intersection that, that Bartimaeus knows as the he hears the shuffling of feet. Somehow he got some information that Jesus is passing by in this crowd. And, and he hears all the noise and he knows there's some pair of feet of the Savior in this crowd. And, and who knows if this Savior will ever pass away, pass, uh, pass by again in my lifetime. He, he's out there right now. He's passing by. I don't know exactly where he is, but once he passes by, how do I know if he's ever going to pass this way again? I remember sitting at a, at a Young Life camp with a, with a high school student, and we're sitting at a Young Life camp in, in Asheville called Windy Gap, and we're sitting on this rock wall next to the pool. And it was in the summer, and we were talking about Jesus. And the next summer, I remember being in the hospital corridors. They unplugged him from life support. 
See, you don't know. You don't know if Jesus is going to pass pass this space one more time. At some point, it's going to be the last time for you, for me. So there's a sense of urgency for Bartimaeus. He's not sure if he's going to get another shot. I stood at the door, not here, but at the place that we met in the gym, and I I bent down Sunday morning after the service, and a little boy, seven, eight years old, came up, and he had the little sheet that they did in, in the Sunday school class, and he was explaining it to me. Later in the week, I'm, I'm bending over his parents in the hospital trying to make sense of his death. This past week at Royal Palms, one of the kids who had come to our tutoring program, Giovanni, had a heart problem. He's a seventh grader. Dies in his home. See, see, you don't know. It always feels like I've got all this time. So, so you may not sit, have a sense of urgency, but, but the writer wants you to, to pick up. Bartimaeus understands that Jesus today is passing by. And, and maybe just at the very beginning of this sermon, you've already tuned out. And I'm begging you to tune back in. Because you don't know for you if this is the last time Jesus is going to pass by. So Bartimaeus, he has a a sense of urgency. And he's not going to let some kind of embarrassment. And he's not going to let the crowd. He's not going to let the noise of his world cause him to stop from crying out. So this, this first important step for Bartimaeus is this simple prayer. Jesus, son of David, would you have mercy on me? And it's met with the most frustrating verse in this text. Verse 48, many rebuked Bartimaeus, telling him to be quiet. People who can see, or at least they think they can see, are discouraging the one person who can't see. D.A. Carson says this, The crowd that was eager to bask in Jesus' companionship reflected none of his compassion. So hungry for Jesus' companionship, but I can't exude any compassion for anyone else. And when you read it, you just want to say, How is this possible? How could somebody have such close companionship with Jesus and yet be so insensitive? But if you're a good student of your own heart, and I hope you are, you know it's actually not that hard. You gather around in a Sunday service. You have your sort of comfort zone with Jesus. You, you've got the pastor and you've got the songs and you've got your seat. And, and some other person or some other group or some other culture could come in and it creates disruption. And how quickly can your heart say, gosh, I just wish they weren't here. I'm comfortable with seeing Jesus in this way. If I get more, if I get different, uh, that's going to start bothering me. And I'm going to tell those people, would you just be quiet? That's actually very easy to do. If you know your own heart. 
And my hope is that would never be the heart of Christ's community church. That we would always be looking at these people that no one else is looking at and saying, Hey, please come into the inside. Never feel like an outsider. Try to, try to be on the, the inside. Well, we can't say what they said for sure. Certainly be quiet. Maybe, you know, look, you're Bartimaeus. You're a piece of human debris. Jesus just doesn't have time for you. Uh, you're beyond help. Maybe somebody said, you know, Jesus really isn't here. There's all kinds of voices that we battle against when we're trying to hear about Jesus, as we're trying to move towards Jesus. There's all kinds of people in our lives, voices, who will say things like, you know, you're beyond help. You're the, you're the one person because of this thing that you did. Jesus isn't going to stop for you. It's too, it's too late for you. He's not really here. He's not really real. So I love what Bartimaeus does. He cries out all the more. I love that. So what do you do? I'm just keep crying out. I am not going to let the noise of the world stop me from crying out. And that's the kind of urgency that you and I have to have. That's the, <clears throat> that's the first stride as we go towards becoming an apprentice for Jesus is we're just not going to let the world crowd us out. We're going to, we're going to take that stride no matter what happens. And so you, he cries out all the more and then Jesus stops. And I'm just trying to imagine there's a huge pilgrimage coming out of Jericho. Everybody really is focused on Jesus. And, and even in the spiritual realm, angels have gathered around and hear the Son of God and the Son of Man stops. And what do I imagine is all the disciples sort of piling on each other. And then all the angels sort of piling on each other. I mean, like suddenly the... This man has stopped. What's, what's, he, what's he paying attention to? What's caused him to stop? And Jesus turns his head. He's, he's absorbing something. He hears it again. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus is, is listening to a man's voice who's, who's making the first stride down the runway towards a good and beautiful life. Think about how Jesus might have heard this. Jesus, he's on his way to the cross. He hears this single cry for mercy. This man's going to ask him for a sight. Which for Jesus costs nothing. But Jesus is going to provide him entry into the kingdom of God. And what is that going to cost Everything. When Bartimaeus cries out, he doesn't just have a sense of urgency. He has some knowledge. You notice he's crying out, son of David. This is the, the popular term for the Messiah, for the Savior. Isaiah 11.10. In that day, the root of Jesse, or the son of David. Jesse is the father of David. On that day, the son of David, listen, will stand as a signal or a banner or a flag for all people. So Isaiah, the prophet, several hundred years ago is saying, 
somebody called the son of David is going to come and he's going to stand in a place and he's going to be unfurled like a banner. And he's going to, it's going to be a banner for all people. And of him shall the nations inquire and his resting place shall be glorious. So one day Jesus is going to stand like a banner and he's going to be unfurled. And every nation can find rest underneath Jesus. Well, when is that going to happen? It's going to happen right here. In just a few days, Jesus is going to be unfurled like a banner. And every sin, if you trust in Jesus, is going to be paid for. And that, my friends, is glorious rest. So so Bart has some sense of who this person is. He's shouting out, Jesus, son of David. The second thing he seems to understand is he understands himself. What's he shouting out for? He knows he's shouting out to. What's he shouting out for? I'm shouting out for mercy. Mercy. One definition. Mercy is the aspect of God's love that causes God to help the miserable. Mercy is the aspect of God's love or his character that causes God to help the miserable. You might say mercy's object is misery. And Bartimaeus knows that he's miserable. He's not just blind, he's poor. He's separated from God and he has a a need for mercy. And he's hoping that this this Savior can, can ask for it. And this is such a critical step. Because if you don't understand this need for mercy in, the, in, in this stride towards the Beatitudes, you're going to be in trouble. Because you're going to look at the Beatitudes as all the things that you're supposed to do. And the first step is to know that I'm miserable. And I can't take any steps on my own. The very first of the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit. The people who know they're miserable. For theirs is, what does it say? The kingdom of heaven. That's the first step. And there couldn't be a greater contrast. Very important to see this. Verse 17, same chapter, with the rich young ruler. It's purposely put there. To help you understand, there's a contrast from the way this rich young ruler came up to Jesus versus the way Bartimaeus came up to Jesus. The rich young ruler, he's on a journey that intersects Jesus. And he comes to Jesus and he says, what must I do to be saved? See, the rich young ruler blindly believes that he has some ability. He has, he has some careful obedience to the law. He has some position. He has some wealth. He has some standing in the community. Whatever it is, he's saying, what contribution can I make to be saved? Answer, no, no contribution. And you see, the rich young ruler doesn't see Jesus and cry out for mercy. The rich young ruler sees Jesus and cries out for confirmation that he's done it all. That's a huge difference. Bartimaeus sees Jesus and he cries out for mercy. The rich young ruler sees Jesus and says, Can you confirm that I've gotten enough stuff right? So many of us in this room live this way. 
You really do, do, you really do good things. Meaningfully good things, but you're doing it for confirmation. I'm, I'm checking a box of doing something so that when I cry out to Jesus, I'm going to say, do you see all the boxes I've checked? And he said, hey, it's just one box. And I checked it. Are you crying out for mercy? Or have you spent your whole Christian life doing something trying to confirm what you've done to earn a spot in heaven. See, it's a, it's a huge difference. Bartimaeus has a sense of urgency. He has some knowledge about Jesus. And finally, he has an abandonment. Look at verse 50. Very interesting that Mark would say this. In throwing off his cloak... I mean, what, why would you even say that? Why is that an important detail? And I would say it's a pretty important detail for if you're blind. It's your only way to protect yourself. It's the way you provide for yourself. So all protection, all provision, I'm throwing it away. See, see Bartimaeus, when he hears Jesus' voice, he's throwing off all the ways he's tried to protect himself and all the ways he's tried to make himself for possessions. And you, you see that Bartimaeus, he's not going to allow anything, especially his possessions, to hinder him from getting from, to Jesus. And maybe he threw it off because he said, I'm not coming back. I'm not coming back to this sour way of life. Which is exactly what Jesus wanted the rich young ruler to do. You've got a sour cloak. It looks good to the whole world. It stinks to me. And if you would throw all that away, you would have riches that you couldn't imagine. And Bartimaeus, he's not going back. The rich young ruler has his own security blanket of pride and self-sufficiency. It reeks foul odor. But, but it actually blinds him from seeing himself. In other words, the rich young ruler is fine with meeting Jesus, but he's planning on living his own life. Again, lots of people live this way. I really want to meet Jesus, and I want the life that I planned. You don't get that. You get the life God planned. Swings are a good example of that. Leaving a lot of things that people would say, I mean, are you sure? Are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure because I'm following the Lord. And there's some things I've got to throw aside that are valuable in the world's eyes in order to follow after Jesus. See, whenever someone comes to Jesus, they have to throw away whatever's possessing them. And I don't know what that is for you today. It's possible you don't know what that is for you. And you might just want to start with, Lord, there might be some of my possessions that are actually possessing me. Could you just expose them? That's a very dangerous prayer. And then I'd have the, then you, could you give me the capacity to begin to throw those things away? 
The rich young ruler sits by the side of the road in the inn, wrapped in his wealth and his popularity and his age. And he lives a sour life. Bartimaeus throws it all away and begins to live a good and beautiful life. So just to ask, are you more like Bartimaeus or the rich young ruler? Have you cried out for mercy? Or are you crying out for confirmation? Have you come to Jesus saying, I really want to attach Jesus to my belt. So when I really need him, whether in death or, you know, at the test or at the tough conversation, I just pull him out like a sword. Or has he pierced your soul? Taken over your life? Blind Bartimaeus, somebody the writer wanted us to stop and take a good look at. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we, um, we're we so thankful for this little story. This man that we wouldn't have seen. Whatever it is for every person here, young or old, Would you help drill into their mind this point for them, whatever it may be, to say we've had a divine intersection today. Jesus is calling you.